Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, how the new three will stack up in fundraising. Number two, a look at Patrick McHenry, the next leader on House Financial Services. And number three, a new proposal for a battleground rep to join Democratic leadership. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We spend a lot of time talking about fundraising, especially at the leadership level. Uh, It is oftentimes one of the most important barometers in terms of, you know, kind of how competitive Republicans and Democrats are going to be uh, going into different election cycles. Certainly, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi for years was this massive juggernaut of fundraising, was one of the things that kept propelled and kept her in leadership. And now there's a lot of questions and just, you know, kind of assessment of will the new three be able to replace, um, you know, kind of her prowess there and also really embrace the super PAC world in a way that Democratic leadership hasn't on the House side to date. Yeah, the the um, this is the one of the big questions right now for Democratic leadership. Um, How will they? how will Democrats move on following um, Nancy Pelosi's exit uh, from the leadership? I think a lot of this is overblown, Anna. You and I have talked about this a bunch of times. I think that money follows power. And just because Pelosi's leaving does not mean that Democrats, broadly speaking, don't want to take back the majority. Um, there's a lot of built-in advantages that Jeffries has here. Number one, um, he uh, did the Senate's going to be an uphill climb in 2024. I mean, it's going to be, there's a bunch of senators up. I mean, we've written about this in red states. It's going to be a very difficult year, theoretically, from what we know now, for uh, Democrats to keep the Senate. That's number one. Number two, um, Republicans will have like a four-seat majority. As someone put it to me yesterday, all Democrats have to do in 24 is win back seats that Joe Biden won. Not win Trump seats, win seats that Joe Biden won. They think that's pretty easy. Um, They think Republicans are going to overreach. There's almost no doubt they will. Every majority overreaches to a certain degree. Um, And uh, some, a couple interesting things to note. Um, The most interesting thing I think in this item, um, and I'm not biased because I found this out, but um, is that Hakeem Jeffries a couple years ago hired two of Nancy Pelosi's top fundraisers, uh, her fundraiser in New York and her fundraiser in California. Um, This was something that they did to to, uh, make sure that they knew the Pelosi donor network. That's a big deal. Pelosi's been the, the cash machine for the ATM, so to speak, for the Democratic Party for a long time. Um, I am, um, I am uh, not surprised by that, but I think it's a very smart move. Um, so I, I think that the other interesting thing, which you noted at the top, Anna, is how do the, the, the new three, as we call them, Akeem Jeffries, Catherine Clark, and Pete Aguilar, how do they um, deal with the super PAC, with House Majority PAC? Now, the, this, the last leadership team, let's just put it this way. The House Majority PAC has not raised nearly as much money as the Congressional Leadership Fund in uh, in recent years. Will this new team find it in their interest to um, to use the Super PAC uh, or to to do more with the Super PAC? Remains to be seen. What are your thoughts, Anna? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really an important uh, test for these leadership, especially in the minority, right? These Democratic leaders are not going to be setting the agenda, right, of what the House is going to be doing. But they are going, to your point, be in a position to potentially, you know, it's going to be recruiting of candidates, but it's also funding of candidates. And I think one of the things that we've seen over and over, and you and I have talked about this, because I remember whether it was you know, John Boehner, it was Paul Ryan. I mean, you've seen on the Republican side where everyone said, oh, there's no one who's going to raise more money for Republicans than John Boehner. And then Paul Ryan blew him out of the water. And then, you know, now you have had clearly uh, on, on the Republican side, Kevin McCarthy blowing, you know, what Paul Ryan did out of the water. And so I think it'll be, you know, interesting to see how does Hakeem Jeffries take that mantle, make it his own? Is there an embrace of the super PAC? Is there a different model, you know, that they that they follow in terms of, you know, raising money for the D trip or raising money, you know, through different different candidate funds? I mean, a lot of this is TBD, but is one of the biggest things that we watch because it's one of the ways that leaders one, get to power, stay in power, and then also, you know, dole out, you know, funds, which is super, super important, especially amidst all of this discussion of whether or not the D-Trip chair should be appointed, should be elected. Um, there seems to be almost a rethinking in Democratic House politics of how this could potentially work next cycle. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and I, I think on the Republican side, they're having some of these conversations as well, because um, the I, I just think that I hear more often than anything else in the in the fundraising space that um, it's much more efficient to go in and raise and and support an organization that raises big checks like a super PAC rather than the party committee, which is big. I'm not talking about the DCCC. I'm talking about both of them. Big, clunky, and tough to manage. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's just important to keep in mind. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, Jake. Uh, our very own Brendan Peterson has a look at North Carolina Representative Patrick McHenry, uh, who is going to be, well, is expected to be the chair of the House Financial Services Committee, has been spent uh, years preparing for the job, opted against uh, trying to make a way to return to GOP leadership, instead staying atop here. This is a real look at kind of what his priorities are, who he's close to. Um, clearly going to be a panel to watch as critical issues like crypto um, are, are are kind of top of mind right now. Yeah, um, I, I had a, a senior Democratic aide say to me yesterday that um, uh, financial services is, is a boring committee these days because it's actually substantive. I don't think it's boring at all, but it, it does get to the point that it is incredibly active on the policymaking front. Interestingly enough, uh, McHenry's top four priorities, let's just run them down at the top here, executive oversight, capital formation, financial data privacy, and crypto policy. It's interesting because they're going to they're kind of having to take a new a new tack on crypto because, I mean, all of their their thinking beforehand, uh, you know, um, before the FTX collapse was, um, okay, this is a new technology and we need to kind of work with the industry to get it on better footing. Now, I have to imagine, broadly speaking, Democrats and Republicans, it's going to be a lot more skeptical uh, than it was before. Um, but 
I, I would just say this, the oversight piece of this is going to be incredibly important and incredibly prominent for uh, uh, the financial services committee and for House Republicans. Um, Gary Gensler, Rahit Chopra of uh, the CFPB, are, I would imagine, are going to be in front of this committee a bunch. They are going to, and that's, I mean, we talk a lot about oversight. We talk a lot about impeachment and things like that. That's a different kind of oversight, right? And I mean, this is actual Theoretically, um, this is actual oversight that um, is pretty standard and typical for a party in the majority when a president's when they don't have the White House. I mean, this is going to be substantive oversight rather than, you know, let's burn down the House and, and impeach someone oversight. Don't you think so? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out, but it certainly is less of just the oversight panel, which is looking to embarrass uh, the Biden administration and, you know, as, as, a, as a top priority and more of trying to get to some of uh, the b- real questions of oversight uh, in a, you know, in a serious way. So going to be very interesting to watch, uh, particularly given the fact that, you know, McHenry has some real has been thinking about this position for quite a while and has some real uh, policy priorities here that he's looking to to get some victories on. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning. Uh, interesting. I mean, I, the Democrats, um, uh, House Democrats pushing again for more changes in leadership. Uh, Susie Lee, the Democrat from Nevada, now pushing Democrats to add a battleground leadership representative to the party's top ranks. Lee is, of course, a frontline Democrat who survived a tough reelection campaign, has now sent a letter that frontliners deserve a seat at the leadership table. Uh, The first thing is, it's just interesting to see all this agitation, I think, with Pelosi and others leaving about what, you know, how should leader Democrats be constituting their leadership? Who should be at that table? Um, And secondly, the the kind of concept of how does, you know, Hakeem Jeffries and the new three deal with some of this, you know, kind of pressure among Democrats to be more inclusive, while at the same time, if your leadership table includes pretty much everybody, it's hard to make decisions. Yeah, but, you know, I, yeah, I, th- I think this is interesting. Well, it, it got much larger, obviously, um, under Nancy Pelosi. She's added a ton of positions and a ton of kind of um, uh, voices to the table. They see that as good. Hakeem Jeffries invariably is going to be a lot I don't. I wouldn't call it weaker, but he's a lot greener at the leadership table. So, does he see this as a threat or as a um, as a, a benefit? Now, I would argue, why the hell not? You know, um, if you if you Jeffrey's whole thing and this leadership his whole thing is getting people is listening to voices and getting uh, more rank and file buy in. You know, there's a lot of frontliners. There's a lot of um, there are a lot of battleground people. Um, why not have one of them at the table? Eventually, Jeffries is going to make the decision anyway. But for a leader who's new, I guess I, I would just argue if I were thinking this through, it doesn't really it doesn't really hurt you to have more voices at the table as long as there's not, you know, 60 voices at the table. I was going to say, I don't know. I think it's tough. And the more people at the table, the more listening slash the harder it is to move, you know, expeditiously sometimes when you got to make a tough choice. That's fair. That's fair. So we we will see. But anyway, interesting, I think, to see just, you know, a lot of people wanting to get their voice heard and a bunch of other members that signed on to that Susie Lee letter. All of their names are in our morning newsletter. You can check that out. Um, I also want to flag that we have an item on a conversation I had with Representative Susan Delbeni, the uh, from 
Democrat from Washington State on privacy technology. Um, we have a new announcement as well that I'm going to be interviewing Senate Finance Committee Chair Ron Wyden on Tuesday, December 13th in another virtual conversation as part of this series on building trust in technology. Uh, you can sign up for that event and watch uh, all of our previous um, events at our hub uh, at punchbowl.news. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please share or tell your friends about The Daily Punch. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. And you can also sign up for our free morning newsletter for everything we wrap about at The Daily Punch and more at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.